Welcome to Emerge Dynamics. Emerge Dynamics. The podcast for those who manage and invest in middle market private companies across the globe. globe. We're telling the stories of the unsung champions who take enormous risks every day to weave the fabric of our societies. Those who collectively, from the multi-trillion dollar largest market on the planet, we're diving into the dynamics of what makes some of them emerge from their peers and create incredible returns and impact on their communities. This is Emerge Dynamics. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Emerge Dynamics podcast. I'm David Cusimano here with Eric Wingerter. Hi, David. Hello, everyone. It's good to be talking again, Eric. I feel like we say often it's one of our favorite topics. I think we just have a lot that we are interested <laughs> we in. Of, and we like. have a lot of favorite topics. <laughs> That's for sure. And today is another one of our favorite topics. And that is talking about, we're going to link what we've been talking about with financial analysis to now making banks want you. We could say maybe being bankable or being investable, but I want to go even further, Eric, and just say this can help banks want you. We want the bank coming to you, wanting to lend you money. Ah, for sure. Absolutely. And not that we don't want to make it the case that in order to be a successful entrepreneur, you have to borrow money. You know, we're not trying to make a pitch for banks, but there are really good cases for using other people's money, other people's cheap money to help accelerate your growth. Right. So this can be a really good thing. So so let's talk, Eric, about let's maybe I like to put in perspective what are banks about? I think there's some confusion often with businesses about where banks are coming from, what their goals are. I think we can maybe talk about that for a minute before we dive into the financial forecasting. No, that sounds good. And I think, David, first and foremost, banks banks want to lend money. Yeah, that's what they're all about. And you know, certainly there's times when credit is a little bit tighter and the banks may be a little bit more cautious. But at the end of the day, banks exist for lending money. That is their main reason for existence, is lending money. Eric, I like to think of that cartoon DuckTales, if you remember Scrooge McDuck, right? And uh, <laughs> he had this huge money vault, right? And he would go swimming in it. He'd swim in his gold coins, right? And I think a lot of times we get the idea that that's the bankers, right? They're like, hey, hey, hey I've got all the money and you don't, and I'm going to sit on it. Right. <laughs> but that's really not accurate, right? The bank will go bankrupt if they don't lend money. So they really want to lend money. I think of another, I guess, analogy too. I don't know if this this is a fitting or not, but it just popped into my head. I think about like going back to the days of the the high school dance, right? And uh, asking a girl to dance, and it turns out she probably does want to dance with me, right? I'm very nervous and scared about asking her to dance. She probably wants to dance with me, right? It's just up to me to not come across as a complete buffoon, yeah. right? And make the move, right? So I think that's probably another way to look at it as well. Is that They want to lend. However, let's talk about why it can often seem like they don't want to lend. I think they absolutely want to lend. They will fall all over themselves to lend to the right parties, right? Once they're convinced. They want to lend, but they want to lend well. That's right. They're very worried about not getting their money back. And, And here's why. Like, let's say you can borrow money. And I know it's a crazy world today. Interest rates are moving around. So if I throw a number out, it might be completely ridiculous three months from now. But let's just say it's a 5% interest rate that the bank is talking about with you. The best the bank will ever do on that investment is a 5% return. They won't get six. They won't get 50. (laughs) They'll get five. Their upside is capped. Their downside, however, is quite large. If this thing completely falls apart, they could lose all their investment 
And so they've got a lot of downside risk and very little upside. And so because of that, they're very concerned about protecting their investment and making sure that they will get paid back. Hence, they're very concerned about collateral. They're worried about things that they can go get should you stop making payments to make themselves whole. So it can seem like banks don't want to lend, but what they really want to do is they once they figure out that you're the right party, then they, they will be very excited to have a relationship with you, right? Once you can get your that. So I think we should talk about that, Eric. How do we make sure we're the right party? Right. And I think coming off of the last couple of episodes where we were, we've been talking about ratios, looking at the balance sheet, the income statement, the ratios in the balance sheet and the income statement, pro forma financial statements, and the looking into the future. So looking in the rearview mirror, but also looking in the, into the future. Those are all precedences to making a good presentation. Or as you said, when you're at the prom looking to ask somebody to dance, to be able to entice that person to say, oh yeah, I want to, I want to dance with you because it's like, wait, you, you, you look good, you know, you you dance well, all, you know, you got your act together. And that's really what it boils down to. Now, I mean, we can get into the specifics of that, David, as far as what what the bank is looking for in those financial statements and, and those ratios. But in general, I think the main thing that they're looking for is why are you borrowing the money? What is the use of proceeds or the plan's use of proceeds? How well have you performed in the past with your financial statements and your cash flows in your business? How will this money now impact those cash flows? And how am I as a bank going to get paid back? Not only the principal that I lent to you, but then the interest as well. And what is my, I guess, what's what's the leeway here? That Because we know bad things can happen. So how much room do I have here between what you say you can do and what is kind of in a worst case scenario type of thing. Those are all the things that the bank is looking at. And that last part really speaks to how much risk is the bank taking on. But as you said, their downside risk is always pretty high if you don't pay back that principal or a large portion of that principal. And so that's the reason why they, they look for these things is, is because they want to understand what's the riskiness in this business. But I think those are the main parameters that they're going to be looking at. And when we do our job to lay that out for them and to be able to articulate that very well, then that's what makes you look attractive to a bank. Absolutely. And so let's talk about what that deliverable looks like, right? And I think this ties to the performa, the forecast that we talked about in our last episode, Right. So when you have your three statement, income statement, balance sheet and cash flow financials historically linked to a forward looking now forecast into the future with all the same line items in the future that you have in the past. So it's really easy to see history flowing into the future. Then you talk about we talked about financial analysis. One of the things we talked about was debt service coverage ratio. There's several things that banks look at. There's a few different things that they'll look at. They'll look at debt to EBITDA, debt to EBITDA, which is earnings before interest taxes, depreciation, amortization, and rent. Depending on the institution, you may see some different variations of these things, but they're looking to see that they're going to get paid back. The most common one I see, Eric, is debt service coverage ratio. And what that is, is they're looking at 
What is your income from your income statement without your debt service coverage, without without having to pay your principal interest payments? And what is that number over your principal and interest payments? So the, the amount of profit on your income statement that is generated right now, I'm seeing 1.25 to 1.35. So you need to have 1.25 to 1.35 times more profit coming in without your debt service than your debt service is, right? So just to make a simple example, let's say it's $1,000 a month is your debt service, your principal and interest. Well, the bank's going to want to see that without your principal and interest, you're bringing in at least $1,250 a month. They want to see that cushion there. So how amazing would it be to have not only your three statements, but also a table with some financial ratios that go along with the three statements. And you can see those ratios moving month to month into the future. If you to go to the bank and say, hey, here's my future financial statements. Here's what they're going to look like. And here's my debt service coverage ratio today. Here's what it will be after you lend me the money. And as I'm paying you back, here's how my debt service coverage ratio will continually improve as I delever and repay this debt to you. That's, I would say for most businesses, at least most small and medium businesses, you're probably in the 90th percentile of people that that banker talks to when you can go in prepared, armed with that kind of information. Absolutely. Because I would say the vast majority of companies that are then going to the bank are really just saying, hey, I got my historical financial statements. This is how much I want to borrow. This is how much, this is what I'm going to do with the money that I'm borrowing. How's that sound? And then, you know, you got the bankers in, in the back, the credit guys are sitting there going, okay, this is all the information I have. All right, well, let me let me just make some assumptions here and see where we, and they're going through and, and making all those calculations. And I would much rather be in a position where I am going proactively to a bank. I am understanding what they're looking for, and I am presenting that to them rather than the credit person coming back and saying, this is what I think they can do. It just positions you. One, your credibility goes up, as you said. You're in that top 90 percentile. You rise automatically to the top of the list of people that that bank wants to deal with. And and you're being proactive with them in providing a picture of what the future could look like. That is going to best position you to get the best terms from the bank as well. Because if not, if you rely on them, then, you know, they say, well, you know, I don't know that you can really do that. So this is why we, you know, we gave you this rate. But if you go in with a lot of confidence and the historicals really kind of support what your future projections are, then I think you're, you're in the best position to, one, get the, the debt from the bank and get the best terms. Absolutely. And Eric, I think to your point about some scenarios that you were mentioning earlier, I think that's another fantastic thing you can present because they're so worried about their downside risk. And suppose you're using this money to pursue a new growth opportunity. Let's say you're counting on with this growth opportunity, your orders are going to be going up 50%, right? The quantity sold will be going 50%. You need this money for working capital or a new inventory to get in, in the door to, or to, to ramp up and get these orders out. You have a new agreement with Target or something. How also awesome is it for you to say, my expectation is X units per month that I'll be doing with this. And the bank's going to want to know, okay, what if you're wrong? Does that mean that you're still paying me back? Or does that mean that you're out of business and I'm now seizing your assets, right? So for you to say, look, even if they only order 40% of what we think they're going to order, we're pretty confident in this big number, but even if they order only 40% of it, 
I'm still paying you back. I still have a debt service coverage ratio. My, maybe my debt service coverage ratio drops from 1.6 to 1.4, but I'm still paying you back, right? And you've got that mapped out there in your performa. Again, you're just talking their language. You're just incredibly having a better conversation with them on that. No, absolutely. And that kind of goes back to that coverage ratio that you talked about. I mean, it, it's a little bit of the inverse of what you're talking about in that they want that coverage ratio to be as high as possible because the higher it is, then the more room that they have, that if something happens, the more likelihood that they're going to continue to get paid. And so that's why they're looking. So when you have a coverage ratio of two or more, a significantly lower risk than somebody who's at a one, two or a one, three or any anywhere around one, the risk goes up substantially. So, you know, to me, those are all things that we need to understand. What is the bank looking at? And it also really helps us to frame what it is that we might be going after as far as debt and how much leverage do we want to take on for the company because it's the same situation, you know, and we we talk about raising capital all the time, David, and we know we can raise equity capital or we can raise debt capital. And that debt capital tends to be a lot less expensive than the equity capital. However, we want to make sure that we've got the right balance there because too much debt capital on the company creates risk not only to the debt holder, but to us, right? Because if if we don't pay it back and we get into a really negative situation with the banks, the banks start having control over the future of your company and the decisions that you make. I mean, that's kind of what's built into those agreements. And oftentimes people say, well, they get mad at the banks because they put those caveats in there. But that is just to protect the banks in the downside situation. And nobody wants to get there. But certainly looking at these ratios and and all helps not only to position ourselves best for the bank, but it also helps us make good, wise decisions on how much debt that we want to take on. Absolutely. And Eric, I think before we close this conversation out, we should talk for a second about collateral. Because even if you do exactly what we're saying and you build your performa out, and this kind of is going to be a leeway to our next episode on equity investment. Leeway, is that the right word? Maybe, I don't know, but uh, <laughs> a lead in. Segway. 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 Yes. yes. And that is with the collateral is even if you get all this right with your debt service coverage ratio, the banks are still going to want to know, okay, but what's my collateral, right? Even if all this is wrong, what can I go get? So most banks love real estate as collateral because it's really good collateral that you can't walk away with it. <laughs> we know exactly where it will be. And other things they like, they like uh, accounts receivable, they like inventory, they like equipment, especially marketable equipment that can easily be resold to someone else. So they will often be looking for that collateral piece. And there's guarantees too. And and I know we often talk with entrepreneurs and they hate it. They say, ah, I got to sign a guarantee, a personal guarantee. That's kind of like the very last resort from a bank's perspective is to go after personal assets of an individual. But very often, that is something that the banks are going to to require. And you know, so it's, it is very, very common. There is an expectation that that is very likely to have to be the case, particularly for, for private companies. But there are ways to work your way out of that. And, and again, it gets back to what's the other collateral in the, that's available to the bank? 
what are the ratios looking like? What's the risk in this? And the lower the risk, the higher the other collateral, the more likelihood that you can negotiate down on those guarantees. Absolutely. And Eric, I would I see certainly a correlation there too with business size. Certainly the smaller the business, it's almost a personal guarantee is inescapable. It's going to be there, <laughs> right? And there's not going to be a lot of negotiating room as far as collateral requirements, personal guarantees, sometimes even terms. As your business gets bigger, it's easier and bigger being, depending on your industry, depending on you, your track record and the bank could be anywhere between, let's say 10 and 20 million. Right, sorry, 20 million yeah. yep. If you go, that's where it starts up to you know, 100 million in revenue, it becomes a lot easier. But that's where it starts to be the case where you can. You can start having those conversations and you're going to, you're going to have, and, and you're likely that if the bank that you're banking with is not willing to do that. And that's often the case is that, well, we always had guarantees. And once you have a guarantee, it's kind of harder for the bank to release the guarantee. But that's when it becomes a lot easier for you to go out there and negotiate with other banks. And then you come back to your bank and saying, hey, and, and I've got a similar deal. <laughs> yeah, kind of, yeah and all of a sudden it's like, well, well, we could, we could possibly let go of those. <laughs> <laughs> And and just a tip, especially for people running businesses, 10, 20 to 100 million in revenue, the bank is going to want every bit of collateral you have. They say the answer to, you know, what collateral the bank will want is they're going to want all of it. But that's where I think you can be skilled in negotiating, working with your advisors to say, no, uh, you know, you can you can say that, look, we need to carve some things out. We can give you the appropriate amount of collateral. So I think when you tie those things, though, and also keep in mind, too, some banks are more fond or familiar with certain industries than others. Even if your collateral lines up and your cash flow, your debt service coverage ratio lines up, you could be in an industry that that bank just doesn't like, wants to get out of, isn't familiar with. And if so, this still won't work. So again, developing the relationships, understanding who lends in what areas and how, all things to make the bank, you find the right girl to dance with, right? She'll be very happy to dance. Uh, Speaking of that, I guess as a segue to the next podcast would be, there are other forms of capital that are available to us. And uh, particularly as small business owners, there is besides debt capital, there is equity capital, whether that be our own equity capital or with uh, friends and families or with, with others. And I think that's kind of the next, next discussion is, are any of those folks the right people to take to the dance? Absolutely. So even and if you're saying, well, I don't have the right debt service coverage, I, I, I've calculated it. I don't have it. I don't have the collateral, right? Or I need to grow faster. I just need more. That's when we start talking to equity holders. So folks, join us next time where we talk about equity investing.